Hello. H- hello. Welcome to Infinite Cast. A pod jest. A pod jest. We're back again. Guess who's back? Back again. Here to cast. Tell a friend. Tell a friend, yeah. Uh, anything to say before we get started today? Is it, do we have a friend who, I thought I saw someone posting from that Indian Wells uh uh, tennis stadium recently. Maybe they're there. Where is Indian Wells? I thought it was in Palm Springs. Palm Springs? Yeah. Or literally Indian Wells, California. Oh, I, I didn't even know what state yeah. Indian Wells was I think was it's in. California. All right. I don't want to speak out of turn. Uh, Iga Swiatic. Swiatic? Rabinica? <laughs> Rabakina? Sure. Yes. And we were watching some ladies tennis. Ladies tennis. Uh, all right. So last week we covered the uh, disturbing plot of uh, accomplice, accomplice, and got into um, more of the uh, semiotics of uh, is semiotics the right word of 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 JOI's filmmaking? Sure, semiotics yes. isn't that just isn't that almost just like vibes? The, vi- the, the study. Stu- it's like the it's like the stu- vibology. The study Paul vibes. Abdul, yeah. Pod- I feel like you can say semiotics and it basically, uh, you know, just covers whatever maybe closer subset. of Yes, uh, that, which is well, probably why I pulled that word out, because I'm like, what does semiotics mean? Uh, the study of of kind of the whole thing of a thing. You know, like the thing's whole like, you know, thing. The the whole thing th- about the thing. The thing about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I guess we're a semiotic podcast. About this book, sure. All or podcasts are are semiotic. semiotic. I don't know. Uh, Let's get into it before I say anything. They say anything egregiously, egregiously wrong. wrong. Yes, semiotics. All right. Well. All right. Off down the Weston Street, a church with an announcement board in the grass out front, white plastic letters on a slotted black surface, and at least once Mario and I stood watching a goatish man change the letters and thus the announcement. One of the first occasions where I remember reading something involved the announcement board announcing, life is like tennis, those who serve best usually win, <laughs> with all the letters uh, with the letters all spaced far out like that. Uh, a big fresh cement colored church, liberal with glass, denomination not recalled, but built in what was, in the BS 80s probably, modern. A parabolic poured uh, concrete shape billowed and peaked like a cresting wave. A suggestion in it of some paranormal wind somewhere that could make concrete billow and pop like a tucking sail. Our own subdorm room now has three of those old Weston captain's chairs whose backs dent your spine if you don't fit it carefully between two spindles. We have an unused wicker basket for laundry on which are stacked some corduroy spectation pillows. Floor plans for Hagia Sophia and S. Simeon at Kalat Simon on the wall over my bed. The really prurient part of consummation of the leverates over the chairs, also from the old interest in Byzantine alia. <laughs> Something about the stiff and dismantled, I'll just put a pin on that. Something about the stiff and dismantled quality of Maniera Greca porn, people broken into pieces and trying to join, etc. At the foot of Mario's bed, a surplus store trunk for his own film equipment and a canvas director's chair where he's always laid out his police lock, lead weights, and vest for the night. A fiberboard stand for the compact TP and viewer, and a stenographer's chair for using the TP to type. Five total chairs in a room where no one ever sits in a chair. As in all the subdorm rooms and hallways, a guillotine ran around our walls half a meter from the ceiling. 
New ETAs always drove themselves bats, counting their room's guilloches interwoven circles. Our room had 811 and truncated bits of 12 and 13, two left halves stuck like open parentheses up in the southwest corner. Between the ages of 11 and 13, I'd had a plaster knockoff of a lewd Constantine Freeze, the emperor with a hyperemic organ and an impure expression, hung by two hooks from the guilloche's lower border. Now I couldn't for the life of me recall what I'd done with the freeze, or which Byzantine seraglio the original had decorated. There had been a time when data like these were instantly available. The Weston living room had had an early version of himself's full-spectrum cove lighting, and at one end, an elevated fieldstone fireplace with a big copper hood that made a wonderful ear-splitting drumhead for wooden spoons, with memories of some foreign adult I didn't recognize grinding at her temples and pleading, Do stop. <laughs> the mom's jungle of green babies had spread out into the room from another corner, the plants' pots on stands of various heights, hanging in nests of twine suspended from clamps, arrayed at eye height from projecting trellises of white-painted iron, all in the other other all in the otherworldly glow of a white-hooded tube of ultraviolet light hung with thin chains from the ceiling. Mario can recall violet-lit faces of ferns and the wet, meaty gloss of rubber tree leaves. And a coffee table of green-shot black marble, too heavy to move, on whose corner Mario knocked out a tooth after what Oren swore up and down was an accidental shove. Mrs. Clark's varicotta calves at the stove, the way her mouth overhead would disappear when the moms reorganized something in the kitchen. My eating mold and the moms' is being very upset that I'd eaten it. This memory was of Oren's telling the story. I had no childhood memory of eating fungus. Uh-huh. My trusty NASA glass still rested on my chest, rising when my ribcage rose. When I looked down my own length, the glass's round mouth was a narrow slot. This was because of my optical perspective. There was a, concise, a concise term for optical perspective that I again could not quite make resolve. What made it hard really to recall our old house's living room was that so many of its appointments were now in the living room of the headmaster's house. The same, and yet altered, and by more than rearrangement. The onyx coffee table Mario had fallen against. Specular is what refers to optical perspective. It came to me after I stopped trying to recall it. Uh, now supported compact discs and tennis magazines and a cello-shaped vase of dried eucalyptus and the red steel stand for the family Xmas tree when in season. The table had been a wedding gift from himself's mother, who died of emphysema shortly before Mario's surprise birth. Oren reports she'd looked like an embalmed poodle, all neck tendons and tight white curls and eyes that were all pupil. The mom's birth mother had died in Quebec of an infarction when she, the mom's, was eight. Her father during her sophomore year at McGill, under circumstances none of us knew. The hydrant-sized Mrs. Tavis was still alive and somewhere in Alberta, the original Lelay potato farm, now part of the Great Concavity and forever lost. Oren and Bain et al. at family trivia during that terrible first year's blizzard Oren imitating the moms' high, breathy, my son ate this, God, please, <laughs> never tiring of it. Oren had also uh, liked also to recreate for us the spooky, kyphotic hunch of himself's mother in her wheelchair, beckoning him closer with a claw, the way she seemed always caved in over and around her chest as if she'd been speared there. An air of deep dehydration had hung about her, he said, as she osmosized moisture from whoever came near. She spent her last few years living in the Marlboro Street brownstone they'd had before Mario and I were born, 
tended by a gerontologic nurse, Oren said always wore the expression of every post office mugshot you've ever seen. When the nurse was off, a small silver bell was apparently hung from an arm of the old lady's wheelchair to be rung when she could not breathe. A cheery silver tinkle announcing asphyxiation upstairs. Oh, God. Mrs. Clark would still pale whenever Mario asked about her. It's become easier to see the climacteric changes in the mom's own body since she began confining herself more and more to the headmaster's house. This occurred after himself's funeral, but in stages. The gradual withdrawal and reluctance to leave the grounds and the signs of aging. It is hard to notice what you see every day. None of the physical changes has been dramatic. Her nerved-up dancer's legs becoming hard, stringy, a shrinking of the hips and a girdly thickening at the waist. Her face settles a little lower on her skull than it did four years ago, with a slight bunching under the chin and an emerging potential for something pruny happening around her mouth in time I thought I could see. (laughs) The word that best connoted why the glass's mouth looked slotty was probably foreshortened. (laughs) The QRS infantilist would no doubt join the old grief therapist in asking how watching one's moms begin to age makes you feel inside. Questions like these become almost Cohen's. You have to lie when the truth is nothing at all, since this appears as a textbook lie under the therapeutic model. The brutal questions are the ones that force you to lie. Either our old kitchen or a neighbor's kitchen, paneled with walnut and hung with copper pate molds and herbal sprigs. An unidentified woman, not Avril or Mrs. Clark, standing in that kitchen in snug cherry slacks, loafers over bare feet, waggling a mixing spoon, laughing at something, a long-tailed comet of flour on her cheek. It occurred to me uh, then with some force that I didn't want to play this afternoon, even if some sort of indoor exhibition meet came off. Not even neutral, I realized. I would, on the whole, have preferred not to play. What Stitt might have had have to say to that versus what Lyle would say, I was unable to stay with the thought long enough to imagine himself's response to my refusal to play, if any. But this was the man who made accomplice, whose sensibility informed the hetero-hardcore Mobius strips and the sado-periodontal fun with teeth and several other projects that were just thoroughgoingly nasty and sick. Then it occurred to me that I could walk outside and contrive to take a spill or squeeze out the window on the rear staircase of HMH and fall several meters to the steep embankment below, being sure to land on the bad ankle and hurt it so I'd not have to play. That I could carefully plan out a fall from the court's observation transom or the spectators gallery of whatever club CT and the mom sent us to help raise funds and fall so carefully badly I'd take out all the ankle's ligaments and never play again. Never have to, never get to. I could be the faultless victim of a freak accident and not and be knocked from the game while still on the ascendant, becoming the object of compassionate sorrow rather than disappointed sorrow. I couldn't stay with this fantastic line of thought long enough to parse out whose disappointment I was willing to cripple myself to avoid or forego. And then out of nowhere, it returned to me, the moving thing himself had said to Oren. This was concerning adult films, which from what I've seen are too downright sad to be truly nasty or even really entertainment, though the adjective adult is kind of a misnomer. Oren had told me that once he and Smothergill, Flechette, and I think Penn's older brother had gotten hold of a magnetic video of some old hardcore X film, The Green Door or Deep Throat, one of those old chestnuts of cellulite and jism. <laughs> there were excited plans to convene in VR3 and watch the thing in secret after lights out. 
The viewing rooms at that point had broadcast televisions and magnetic VCR devices, instructional uh, magvids from Galloway and Braden, etc. Oren and co. were all around 15 at the time, bombed by their own glands. They were pop-eyed at the prospect of genuine porn. There were rules about video's suitability for viewing in the honor code, but himself was not noted for his discipline, and Stitt didn't yet have DeLint. The first generation of ETAs did pretty much as they pleased off-court, as long as they were discreet. Nevertheless, word about this adult film got around, and somebody, probably Mary Esther Thode's sister Ruth, then a senior and insufferable, ratted the boys' viewing plans out to Stitt, who took the matter to himself. Oren said he was the only one himself called into the headmaster's office, which in that era had only one door, which himself asked Oren to close. Oren recalled seeing none of the unease that always accompanied himself's attempts at stern discipline. Instead, himself invited Oren to sit and gave him a lemon soda and stood facing him, leaning back slightly so that the front edge of his desk supported him at the tailbone. Himself took his glasses off and massaged his closed eyes delicately, almost treasuringly his old eyeballs, in the way Oren knew signified that himself was ruminative and sad. One or two soft interrogatives brought the whole affair out in the open. You could never lie to himself. Somehow you just never had the heart. Whereas Oren made almost an Olympic sport of lying to the moms. Anyway, Oren conf- uh, quickly confessed to everything. What himself said then moved him, Oren told me. Himself told Oren he wasn't going to forg- forbid them to watch the thing if they really wanted to, but just please to keep it discreet, just Bane and Smothergill and Oren's immediate circle, nobody younger and nobody whose parents might hear about it, and for God's sake, don't let your mother get wind. But that Oren was old enough to make his own entertainment decisions, <laughs> and if he decided he wanted to watch the thing, and so on. But or, uh, himself had said that if Oren had wanted his personal fatherly as opposed to headmasterly take on it, then he, Oren's father, though he wouldn't forbid it, would rather Oren didn't watch a hard porn film yet. He said this with such reticent earnestness, there was no way Oren couldn't ask him how come. Himself felt his jaw and pushed his glasses up several times and shrugged and finally said he supposed he was afraid of the film giving Oren the wrong idea about having sex. He said he'd personally prefer that Oren wait until he'd found someone he loved enough to want to have sex with and had had sex with this person. That he'd wait until he'd experienced for himself what a profoundly and really quite moving thing sex could be before he watched a film where sex was presented as nothing more than organs going in and out of other organs, emotionless, terribly lonely. He said he supposed he was afraid that something like the green door would give Oren an impoverished, lonely idea of sexuality. What poor old O claimed to have found so moving was himself's assumption that O was still cherry. What moved me to feel sorry for Oren was that it seemed pretty obvious that that had had nothing to do with what himself was trying to talk about. It was the most open I'd ever heard of himself being with anybody, and it seemed terribly sad to me somehow that he'd wasted it on Oren. (laughs) I'd never once had a conversation nearly that open or intimate with himself. My most intimate memory of himself was the scratchiness of his jaw and the smell of his neck when I fell asleep at supper and he carried me upstairs to bed. His neck was thin but had a good meaty warm smell. <laughs> I now for some reason associate it with the color of Coach Stitt's pipe. I tried briefly to picture Orthostice hoisting his bunk up and bolting it to the ceiling without waking Coil. Our room's door remained ajar from Mario's exit with Coil to find someone with a master key. Yard guard and wagon X heads uh, popped in briefly and urged me to come have a look at the darkness's ruined map and withdrew when they got no response. The second floor was pretty quiet, 
Most of them were still dawdling at breakfast, awaiting some announcement on the weather and Quebecois squads. Snow hit the windows with a gritty sound. The angle of the wind had made a kind of whistle out of one corner of the subdorm building, and the whistling came and went. Then I heard John Wayne's stride in the hall outside, light and even and easy on floors, the stride of a guy with stellar calf development. <laughs> I'd heard his low sigh. Then through the door was, uh, though, the do- though the door was too far behind me to see, for a moment or two I could somehow tell for sure that John Wayne's head was inside the open door. I could feel it clearly, almost painfully. He was looking down at me lying there on the Lindisfarne carpet. There was none of the gathering tension of a person deciding whether or not to speak. I could feel my throat's equipment move when I swallowed. John Wayne and I never had much to say to one another. There wasn't even hostility between us. He ate dinner with us at HMH every so often because he and the moms were tight. (laughs) The moms made little attempt to disguise her attachment to Wayne. Now his breathing behind me was light and very even. No waste. Complete utilization of each breath. Which takes us to endnote 382. Last page of endnotes. Whether in singles against him or doubles alongside, when Hal is on court with Wayne, he always gets the creepy feeling that Wayne has control out there, not just of his voluntary CNS, but also of his heart rate and blood pressure, the diameter of his pupils, etc. Which feeling is not only creepy, but distracting, adding to the tension of playing with Wayne. Back to the text. Of us three, it was Mario who had spent the most time with himself, sometimes traveling with him for location work. I had no idea what they spoke about together or how openly. None of us had ever pressed Mario to say much about it. It occurred to me to wonder why this was so. I decided to get up, but then did not, in fact, get up. (laughs) Oren was convinced that himself was a virgin when he met the moms in his late 30s. I find this pretty hard to believe. Oren will also grant that there's no doubt himself was faithful to the moms right up until the end, that his attachment to Oren's fiance was not sexual. I had a sudden and lucid vision of the moms and John Wayne locked in a sexual embrace of some kind. Mm. John Wayne had been involved with the moms sexually since roughly the second month after his arrival. They were both expatriates. I hadn't yet been able to identify a strong feeling one way or another about the liaison, nor about Wayne himself, except for admiring his talent and total focus. I did not know whether Mario knew of the liaison, to say of poor CT, uh, to say nothing of poor CT. It was impossible for me to imagine himself and the moms being explicitly sexual together. I bet most children have this difficulty where their parents are concerned. Sex between the moms and CT, I imagined it as both frenetic and weary, with a kind of doomed, timeless Faulknerian feel to it. (laughs) I imagined the moms' eyes open and staring blankly at the ceiling the whole time. I imagined CT never once shutting up, talking around and around whatever was taking place between them. My Cossacks had gone numb from the pressure of the floor through the thin carpet. Bain, graduate students, grammatical colleagues, Japanese fight choreographers, the hairy-shouldered Ken N. Johnson, the Islamic MD himself had found so especially torturing. These encounters were imaginable, but somehow generic, mostly a matter of athleticism and flexibility, different configurations of limbs. The mood won more of cooperation than complicity or passion. I tended to imagine the moms staring expressionlessly at ceilings throughout, the complicit passion would have had to come after, probably, with her need to be sure the encounter was hidden. Peterson illusions notwithstanding, I wondered about some hazy connection between this passion for hiddenness and the fact that himself had made so many films titled Cage, and that the amateur <laughs> player he became so attached to was the veiled girl, Oren's love. I wondered whether it was possible to lie supine and throw up without aspirating vomit or choking. 
the plumed spout of a whale. The tableau of John Wayne and my mother in my imagination was not very erotic. The image was complete and sharply focused, but seemed stilted, as if composed. She reclines against four pillows at an angle between seated and supine, staring upward, motionless and pale. Wayne, slim and brown-limbed, smoothly muscled, also completely motionless, lies over her, his untanned bottom in the air, his blank, narrow face between her breasts, his eyes unblinking, and his thin tongue outthrust like a stunned lizard's. They stay just like that. <laughs> That's that section. Uh, that's 20, so I feel like we should go a little further. Yeah, there's another little segmento. Okay, a great. Couple. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Non-erotic erotica. About your mom. Yeah. Uh, paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> Good transition. Uh, no, the, oh, that, I just said that. Oh, that's not okay, it. okay. I thought that was the, uh, that's from the my next own. one. Paging Dr. Freud. Yeah. She wasn't dumb. She figured it was likely that they'd let her loose just to see where she'd go. She went home. She went to the house. She got one of the last trains before they closed the tea, probably. It took forever to get from Com Ave down to Enfield Marine in her clogs and skirt in the snow and melt soaked the veil and made it adhere to the features below. She'd been close to removing the veil to get away from the outside linebacker of a federal lady anyway. She looked now just like a linen pale version of what she really looked like but there was no one about in the snow. She figured if she could speak with Pat M, Pat M might be prevailed upon to put her in quarantine with Clinette and Yolanda, not let in no law. She could tell Pat about the wheelchairs, try to convince her to dismantle the ramp. <laughs> the visibility was so bad she didn't see it till she cleared the shed, the Middlesex County Sheriff's car, fiercely snow-tired, lights going bluely, parked idly in the roadlet outside the ramp, Wipers on occasional, a uniform at the wheel, absently feeling his face. That's just that paragraph. Okay. All right. This is this is good now that we've timed. This this fits with uh uh what we watched last night. Okay, great. He says, "I'm Mikey, alcoholic and addict and a sick fuck." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they laugh and shout out, "You definitely are!" As he stands there, rocking the podium slightly blurred a bit through the linen, smearing one side of his face with a laborer's hand as he tries to think what to say. It's another of these round-robin speaker deals, each speaker picking the next from the smoky lunchtime crowd, jogging up to the fiberboard podium, trying to think what to say and how for the five minutes each is allotted. The chairperson at the table up by the podium has a clock and a novelty shop gong. <laughs> well, he says, well, so I seen some of the old Mikey come back out yesterday, you know what I'm saying? Fucking scared me to see it. What it was, I was going to take my kid down to the lanes and bowl a couple with my kid, who he just got the cast off. So I'm all happy and whatnot. Got the day off, see the kid. Quality sober time with the kid, so on and so forth. So I'm all on the happy wagon and like that about seeing the kid. You know what I'm saying? So what? So I call my cunt of a sister. He's living back with them, with Ma and my sister. So I'm calling up my sister to see, can I come get the kid at such and such time and whatnot? Because you know how the judge said I got to get one of them's fucking consent to even see my kid. You know what I'm saying? Because of the restraining order on the old Mikey from before. I got to get their permission. And I what? Accept that. I say, okay. So I'm calling up all accepting and on the happy wagon for my sister to consent. And she, out of the goodness of her heart, she finally makes me wait while she says she's got to check it with Ma. And they consent, finally. And I what? Accept that. You know what I'm saying? And I say, I was going to be there at such and such time and whatnot. And my sister says, ain't I even going to say thank you? 
Like with the attitude, you know what I'm saying? And I say, the fuck, what? You want a fucking medal for letting me see my own kid? And the cunt hangs up on me. Oh, fucking oh. Ever since the judge <laughs> oh. with, the, <laughs> with the order, it's with the attitude over there, the cunt and my both. So after she just hangs up on me, a little of the old Mikey, I think, starts to come out. And I go over there, and yes, all right, I got to be honest, I do. I park on the grass of their fucking lawn, and I go up and go up, and I see her, and I'm like, fuck you, you cunt. And Ma's in the hall behind her in the door. I go, fucking hang up on me. Why don't you? You should, for, you should go for some fucking counseling. You know what I'm saying? And they don't either one of them like that verbal comment too much, right? The cunt almost starts laughing and goes, I'm telling her to go for counseling? <laughs> Crowd laughter. I mean, I ain't exactly coming over there with long-term sobriety, right? And I accept that. But the cunt's got the hook on the door and she's going, who the fuck are you to be telling me to go to f- for fucking counseling after the sick fucking little like stunt you and that bimbo pulled on that kid who only now just even got the cast off? Oh, and no sign of the fucking kid anywhere. Just her and Ma through the screen door all over the place with the attitude. And now they tell me to get the fuck off their porch. No, they tell me, as in like permission denied, consent to see my own kid fucking refuse. And the cunt's still in a fucking bathrobe after noon. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm in my bathrobe and it's noon right now. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I'm podcasting. Uh, uh, and Ma behind a half in the bag already and hanging onto the fucking wall. You know what I'm saying? My serenity's like, see ya. And I say, up. <laughs> Boat use boat use asses. I'm here for my goddamn kid. And now my sister says she's going for the phone. And Ma's saying, "The fuck, get the fuck out, Mikey." And plus, did I mention no sign of the kid? And I even to like touch the screen door, not without consent. And I'm wanting to fucking kill somebody here. You know what I'm saying? And my sister get my sister's getting the antenna out on the phone. And so I go, "Okay, I'm fucking leaving." But I like grab my balls at the both of them and go, "Eat me to boat it, the boat use." You know what I'm saying? Because it's now the old Mikey back. And now I got with the attitude now also. I'm wanting to light my cunt of a sister up so bad I can't hardly see to get the truck off the lawn and leave. But and so and but so I'm driving back home. (laughs) And I'm so mad I all of a sudden try to pray. And I try to pray driving along and whatnot. And it comes to me. I see irregarding of their fucked up attitude. I still need to go back and apologize irregardless for grabbing my balls at them because that's old fucking behavior. I see for my own sobriety's sake, I need to go back and try to say I'm sorry. The thought of it just about makes me puke. You know what I'm... But I go back and pull the truck up out front on the street and pray and go back up on the porch and I fucking apologize and I go to my sister, please, can I at least see the kid to get the to see the cast off? And the cunt goes, fuck you, get the fuck out. We don't accept your fucking apology. And no sign of Ma and the fucking kid, there's no sign of him. So I got to accept her word and don't even know for sure if the cast is even off. But why do I need why I needed to share, I think, is because it scared me. I scared me. You know what I'm saying? I was at the counselors after and I told him I go. I got to get some kind of hold on this fucking temper or I'm going to end up right back in front of the fucking judge for lighting somebody up again. You know what I'm saying? And God fucking forbid it should be somebody that's in my family because I've been that route one too many times already. And I go like, am I nuts, doctor or what? Do I got like a death wish or what? You know what I'm saying? The cast just only now finally comes off and I'm wanting to light up the fucking cunt that's got to consent I should get closer than 100 M's to the kid. Is it like I'm trying to like set myself up for a drink or what exactly is it with this spring-loaded temper if I'm sober? The temper and judge is why I fucking got sober in the first place. So what the fuck is this? Well, fuck me. I'm just grateful I got some of that out. It's been up in my head, renting space. You know what I'm saying? 
I see Vinny's getting ready to fucking gong me. I want to hear from Tommy E back there against the wall. Yo, Tommy, what are you, spanking the hog back there or what? But I'm just glad to be here. I just wanted to get some of that shit out. <laughs> That's it. What do you think? Uh, what page are we on? 960. Nine sixty. Like seven pages? Uh, yeah, we're at 28 minutes. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. We've got like 20 pages left. 20 pages left? Mm-hmm. Three more episodes, something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's remarkable. How many pages? Yeah, 21. Three three episodes. Wow. Crazy. What, what a long, strange journey it's been. It's still <laughs> it's still three episodes out from the very end. We're meeting what? A new a new character in a seemingly one off spiel. I think that's it for him. Mikey. Uh, we watched The Departed last night. We it was watched St. The Departed pa- last night, which is why I was trying to do the accent. Uh, for St. Patrick's Day. Um, good movie. Great movie. Great movie. The Departed. I'm the kind of basic bitch that likes... Well, I, I mean, Martin Scorsese movies in general. But yeah, to, I, to me, The Departed over The Irishman any day. <laughs> well, you know, one, one, one is more entertaining. One is more uh, plaintive, I guess. Did yeah, you watch fuck. The Irishman? I watched the last half of The Irishman with you. <laughs> I came home and you were watching it, and I basically felt like I watched a whole movie. Uh, yes, I and I was like, yeah, movie. this is this is just the last act of The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that The Departed gets a bad rap as like a lesser Scorsese. I think it because it ju- just because it was the one that won the Oscar. But that's a good movie. That's a good it's movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, real... Real Boston, I, 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 you know, this is obviously to say real Boston energy, but you know, it, it, it's it's Scorsese's attempt to give you a, a a slice of the Boston psychosis. Yeah, he should have kept going. Yeah. He, he, like Sufjan Stevens' uh, states, project, <laughs> the states project, he should have done as many American cities as possible, capturing their particular neuroses. Yeah, I would like to see Scorsese's Florida guys. Uh, movie. Holy shit! Yeah, Scorsese Spring Breakers. Yeah, Scorsese Spring Breakers. Uh. How about a Scorsese epic set among like uh, a Dallas uh, oilman or something? Has like he that? ever done a western? I don't. I feel like that's not his vibe. Not really? Right? No. Well, he should. I'm sure there's somebody who will bring up some Scorsese movie and be like, "Actually, blank is a western." <laughs> Fine. Fine. Um. Yeah. All right. What do we got here? Pornography. Uh, Hal's pornographic thoughts. Yeah. His blankly Blandly. pornographic thoughts. Yeah. He, know, he knows about the moms and John Wayne. She's yeah. not slick. Um, but he has no, you know, you're the, the number one guy at, at your tennis school who beats you on the tennis court also fucks your mom He's and he feels nothing. He feels nothing about it. Yeah. That's that's the that's truly, I feel like, the first sign I see that Hal, Hal is unwell. Yes. You know, it's not the memorization of the Oxford English Dictionary or the you know the, the chronic the the, the weed the uh, weed addiction yeah the weed addiction or you know going to the uh the grief counselor and saying something smelled delicious <laughs> boy this kid's got problems yes he's just like naked contempt for or i mean maybe that's it right like he's got this total contempt for Orin of just like you know someone who like abused his brother and and mm-hmm. uh but he he doesn't seem aware of the connection maybe of why Orin ended up this way which is that he was likely abused by his mom i mean i guess taken as a whole we are getting a lot of (laughs) i guess yeah i guess it makes sense Uh, post the uh the wait so wait is the shift to first person 
I'm, I'm trying to track the timeline. Does the shift to first person with Hal correspond directly to him taking the DMT? Uh, DMZ. I feel, DMZ. I, feel I think like it, it does. I feel like it happens a little before. I don't know. Well, the fir- it, correct me if I'm wrong. The first um, so beautiful ladies beautiful eating potatoes. Beautiful ladies at, at the tennis thing eating, eating po- chips and wearing straw hats. Gently munching on potato chips. Hey, sna- tennis is all about snacks. It is. It's a snack. Yes. Um, it, it, so that scene where he goes to, you know what I think it is? I think it is him stopping, stopping the weed mm-hmm. because oh, okay. he goes to that meeting that he thinks is AA or NA and it's actually mm-hmm. healing your inner child. And I believe that's in first person, right? I'm trying to re- remember. It's been so long. <laughs> like, it, it, feels, it feels uh, vaguely recent, but also that's something that happened like three months ago. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Lactrodectus mactans. Um, Lactrodectus mactans. So, I mean, I'm not sure if it ever even in the last 20 pages is going to get to this. So we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. We've already talked about it a little bit. It's purposeful ambiguity, right? Because on one hand, we have my son ate this. Yes. So he ate what could be literally the DMZ when he was a kid. With the Yeah, some kind of mind-altering mold. Uh, and then stopping weed, obviously, that's stopping a psychoactive substance, yes. trigger, possibly triggering something. But then we also have the DMZ, which Pemulus mm-hmm. purchased and stored above their ceiling in their dorm room. Mm-hmm. And then one of the last scenes I think we see of Pemulus is realizing that it's gone. Yes. Uh, meaning Hal could have gotten dosed. Yes. Because also, I mean, Pemulus dosed that kid that he played with at the yes. um, Port Washington tournament. So yes. clearly it's there's capabilities there. Pemulus is also annoyed that Hal was like not reticent to do the trip. So he's like, what if I just... What if I just did it anyway? What if I just did it anyway? Um, uh, but uh, anyway, this is, which is all to say, you know, obviously we're getting a lot of Hal's interiority here. And I guess it is, you know, the the dissociativeness of his weed addiction mm-hmm. you know is what did you find it the um the inner child stuff is third person is third person yeah. yes okay so it's really once he wakes i believe once he wakes up on that I mean, blizzard day i always hate when you put your legs <laughs> up on the tray it seems wildly uncomfortable <laughs> it's so easy to move the tray oh but i'm podcasting <laughs> you never do. it's fine okay thank you all right uh, <laughs> I love when you get annoyed at things that I do. It happens so rarely. It's only, it's only when you refuse to make small adjustments for your own comfort. I'm sto I'm stoic like that. Yes, it's all it's all part of the um the psych- psychiatric uh treatment. Um, sound mind, sound body. <laughs> well, your body your body is not sound. It's it's uncomfortable. <laughs> My body is unsound. Yes, you're telling me. Um. Uh, and anyway, I the, his his complete blankness and non-reaction is also affected by his <laughs> chronic weed addiction. Yeah. Know? And so I feel like, you know, he's got this swirl of thoughts that he literally can't can't almost can't make sense of and he keeps getting distracted. He's got um aphasia where you can't think of a word yes. uh and until like, you know until you stop trying to think of it. Aphasia he's got all these childhood, a, literally childhood memories, thinking about the house that he grew up in and thinking about... Aphasia is a funny word for not being able to remember words because it's a hard word to remember. 
That's true. It is kind of like a nothing word, right? Aphasia. Aphasia. It's like uh, a wisp. How many times did you move as a child? Just once. We I had a childhood home, um, which was very small, and then we finally found uh I, I shared a room with my sister, my other sister shared a room, one bathroom for six people, and then we finally moved into a much larger and nicer house. Uh, the week of 9-11. So that's what I, and when I was 12 years old, so that's where I me- I measure, you know, that's when my childhood ended. Yes. Because I literally left my childhood house, house and then also and 9-11. 9-11 happened. It's over. Uh, Grow up. <laughs> and then I was also 12, so, you know. I was, but I did you have that, so you at least once had that experience of seeing a piece of furniture in a different place and being like, that's not the context for that furniture. Mo- I mean, t- moving was like psychedelic for me almost, especially since I had, I will never forget the first couple of nights in a room of my own. Uh, a room of when I was own. like, you know, just, just revving up the gears of puberty. I was like, holy shit, I can do whatever I want in here. Were you a little scared? No, because the room, no, it's a cozy room. It is a cozy room. I've, um, se- I've seen it. I've slept in that room. But yeah, no, yeah, you're right. See, seeing old furniture, new configurations, also seeing how small your old house is when it's empty of possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling of like, oh my God, we can truly like pack everything we own into like one and a half trucks or something. That's kind of crazy. I had something like 11 houses before I graduated high school. That's too much. It's up to you to decide whether that's too many, but that's quite a lot. It seems like a lot in retrospect, right? And that's between yeah. both, of, both of my parents. Well, I think at a, at a certain point, then you kind of just let go yeah. of of feeling like you have. Yes. So I I had that experience of being like, that's not where the couch goes. Many times, mm, mm-hmm. uh, and continue to do as many of the things I grew up with in Cincinnati now exist in San Diego, and I see them there, like my uh, mom's uh, kitchen table. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that that table, that table spawned in Cincinnati, and now here it is. <laughs> yeah, that on, that is on the coast of California. Yeah, especially where it belongs. since uh, you know living in New York, I feel like you you can't you can't have that much stuff to begin with. Yeah. So every move kind of like erases my mind, and I have to start over again. Yes. Imagine owning a house. Uh-huh. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> seems seems crazy. Yeah. Uh, foreign experience. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, okay. So like the por- the pornography thing is so cute and sad that mm-hmm. like, you know, himself has this conversation with Oren, uh, that, you know, he wants him to like have sex before he watches porn, which call, call me obvi- in this society. It's basically impossible, right? Yes. Uh, but all, yeah, it the is- stuff that he's listing are such, I mean, that, that's another weird, I, I guess a misfire on uh, DFW's thing is that in this imagined future of of uh, proliferating entertainment cartridges that people would still be reaching back to like the 70s porno classics, like the Green Door. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that's just like the VHS. Uh, yeah. Um, he said that this was in the VHS era. Oh, I guess so. Well, I mean, he, DFW knew what was going on. He went to the AVN. He knew how, how prolific, prolific the this that industry was. Yeah. Yeah, you would think in the same Boston where you can buy uh, acid that has itself done acid, you the fifteen year old boys could figure out how to get a fucking porn yeah, CD. But exactly, whatever. Uh, but I do. It's I guess this is where it maybe reveal like a more sex negative tendency. That is the platonic ideal yes. in some ways. I do. Because, <laughs> I can't even get into it. Uh, but talking about porn, porn is entertain. 
porn is entertainment versus porn is instruction manual, right? Yes. yes. Uh, it's it's not a good instruction manual, and I would argue that's not very entertaining as a as under the usual guidelines of what is entertaining. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that uh uh you know himself even bothers to deal with it when he's also making really weird films <laughs> that, that often might say have pornographic themselves. explicit sexual content. But he's like, no, it's got you know meanings and. Yes. Sig- signifiers. Perhaps perhaps it is a uh perhaps perhaps the um the instructor tells on himself in this in this case. Perhaps. Uh although, you know, it's it's you know, how how says it himself, even given yeah, I believe in our you know, in the last week's segment isn't how talking about it's hard to imagine where this impulse comes in himself's mind and then in this one he's like it's hard to imagine you know i I suspect it is for everyone but it's hard to imagine your parents having sex yes so even watching this like violently pornographic film that his father made and then immediately being like but it's hard to imagine my my father having sex yes i mean i guess that's the same with your mom the 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 sterile motionless sex of a high schooler with your mom than your father (laughs) yeah yeah uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's odd. Yes. The I mean, yeah. I guess the t- typical mind ramblings of someone who's maybe uh you know lo- slightly lost control of yes is is it stuff that you know he's had down under the surface the entire time and maybe is only coming up now. Uh, yeah. So well, that's with what, the unlocking of his. Yeah, that's what this certainly brain. seems like to me. Yeah. Although every time it describes him laying on the floor, I'm like, you know, it's nice, always nice and comfortable laying on the floor. I know society doesn't want you to lay on the floor, but you should. <laughs> but you should. Yeah, it's actually very good. <laughs> Become ungovernable. Lay on the floor. Lay on the floor. So, like, he, he, that's the other thing. He doesn't want to play. It's the first yes. time that he's, like, actively not wanted to play. <laughs> I could fall off a grandstand and permanently injure my ankle. Listen, if there, if that gets, if if you're at that level with what whatever you're doing that you'd rather hurt yourself than keep doing it, you time don't to, like it at rethink, all. Time to yeah. Uh, Did you see that somebody else, mm-hmm. no, I, I don't know how, how big this thing was, but uh, somebody else was reading, oh, God, who was that tennis player's biography that you read? Agassi. Agassi. I saw somebody else tweet that they were reading Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography and, and their main takeaway was, oh my God, it's hilarious how much he hates tennis. Hates tennis, <laughs> always has. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so funny to be cursed at being a genius uh, uh, at the thing that you are a genius of. Yeah. That's basically what The Fablemans is about. Is that right? Yes. Mm. You didn't watch The Fablemans? Nope. Uh, that's a re- strong wreck for... Uh, Anybody who is listening to this will probably enjoy The Fablemans. That mm. is a movie about how Steven Spielberg's gift of filmmaking is more like a curse. Interesting. And also about how he wants to fuck his mom. <laughs> so, uh, paging Dr. Freud. If it, yeah, if it, paging Dr. Freud once again. Yes. Uh, no, hot, strong, strong recommendation. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think that uh, Agassi might uh, relate to that movie because, yeah, it's about how... Having a, a intuitive and genius mm-hmm. level understanding of cinema allows him to reveal painful truth. Not only allows, but compels him to reveal painful truths about the world around him. Yeah. Through the power of, of movie magic. Yeah. Even if he doesn't want to. And even <laughs> if it hurts himself. Cur- curse to make uh, the movies, I guess. Cur- curse to make the most perfect movies of all time. Yeah. That's interesting if that's how he truly feels about it. Yeah. Is he, is he, he seems like he must have to like it. Do you think Steven's, 
People should really go back to basics with interview questions and be like, Do you uh, like making so movies? Steven, Steven, uh, oh, wait, is his name? Steven. Steven. Steve, wait, why the, why the fuck did Does I just have, weird? I just had a huge brain fart just thinking of him, of him as just Steven rather than Steven Spielberg. Well, I always, <laughs> I always find it hard to uh, approach Stevens who are PHs because with S-T-E-V-E-N, you know that there's a Steve hiding hiding in there. If yeah, but <laughs> hiding in there. But Stefan, it's like, what am I going to call you, Steph for Steph, short? Steph Curry, yeah, yeah. Steph Curry with a shot. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that I, would be. I good. would be like, a Stevie personally if I were a Steven. Honestly, if I was, if I got to Steven Spielberg on this press junket from uh from Fableman's, honestly, my first question might be, do you enjoy making movies, or are you just? Is it like a compulsive is fixation? Is it fun or is, yeah. it, is it compulsive? Yeah. That's a question uh, yeah. a lot of people need to ask themselves too. And probably more people need to be asking uh, their celebrity interviewees. That's honestly like, <laughs> I think yeah. you can get a lot out of certain people by just leading every um, actor or director interview you have with, is this fun for you? Yeah. Do you like this? Yeah. Or is this just a job? Yeah. I think a lot of people would, would go into bland robot press junket mode of being like, I have a passion for the cinema and every day I support the people that I work with and being like, no, really, are you are you <laughs> having a good time right now? Yeah. <laughs> well, probably not right right now. Yeah. But yes. I would like to sit in one of those tennis um, line calling chairs. umpire, whatever it is, chairs. This this stadium has, has good ones. Yes. I like this guy's tie-dye-ish shirt. Is that Sitsipas? Yeah, I like it too. I think it is Sitsipas. Sitsipas. <laughs> One must imagine Ooh, playing Sitsipas against an American. Happy. Fritz. 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 He may be an American, but he's a German. Well, no, there's no real Americans. Um, anything else? The Departed. Good movie. Watch The Departed. Yeah, talk about. I mean, that gets into you know therapy stuff. Uh, you know. Do you, do you want to fuck your therapist? Yeah. Is your therapist actually your mom, et cetera, et cetera? Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, real-time twink death. Yes. What is his next movie? Killers of the Flower Moon, more no, Scorsese. No, no, what is his next movie after The Departed? Oh. Uh, is it Shutter Island? Yes, I've, I don't think I've seen Shutter Island. We should watch Shutter Island. I've heard it's great. I've never seen it. Is that also Scorsese? I believe so, yes. Okay. Shutter Island. Um, it's cr- if you really think about how how unbelievably Italian Leonardo his name's Leonardo DiCaprio. Why does he not um, why does he not go ha- more ham on Italian um? Yeah, he should play uh, identity. He should play uh, Christopher Columbus. He was in Blood Diamond the same year as The Departed. Yes, he got he got two nominations for Golden Globe for Best Actor. Yeah. in the same year. Wait, can you do your uh, Blood Diamond impression of him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I will not, but thank, I respectfully decline, but thank you. Okay. Uh, the next year, he narrated The 11th Hour, the climate movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2008, he was in Body of Lies, and he was in Revolutionary Road, and it was over. It was dad mode for him from yeah. there on out. He, as a, a real manosphere, people say, he hit the wall. <laughs> Have you heard this? This no. is new. What is hit the wall? It's 
you refer to women when they hit the wall, aka like you know the last fuckable year, you know, gain a bunch of weight, look older, all this stuff to no longer be sexually attractive, hit the wall. Uh, To which I say, uh, DiCaprio hit the wall as well. (laughs) No, he he'll never hit he'll never hit my wall. He, I always find him uh, handsome and compelling looking because I was indoctrinated at a young age by a uh, young... By Teen Beat? Teen, teen Leo. I had a book about his life, <laughs> his favorite color and snacks and stuff. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what is his favorite color and snack? Oh, I forget. Sorry. <laughs> Apple slices. Here. Hey, Siri, what is Leonardo DiCaprio's favorite snack? I'm gonna imagine. You should watch the Man in the Iron Mask. Sure. All right. I'm gonna imagine it's. This is from calendar-canada.ca, <laughs> and the first thing it says is that he he disclosed that he prefers pupusas to tacos. <laughs> so what, Leonardo DiCaprio's favorite snack is pupusas. Apparently, I that's I don't know about all that. Damn, we should get some pupusas. I'm not. I don't think I've ever had a pupusa. There's right. a truck that serves them on Red Hook. We can go. The pupusa truck. Yeah. All right. Well, after we see 65 starring Adam Driver this afternoon, let, let's mm-hmm. get some pupusas in Park Slope. Sure. Yeah. Why? Why not? Okay. I'm getting hungry, honestly. You are. Yeah. Is it time for our pastrami hash? I don't know. We'll discuss it. <laughs> okay. We'll discuss it off mic. All right. I think we've we've <laughs> we've hit the wall of this <laughs> yeah. podcast as well. Hit the podcast wall. Only uh, three more episodes of the series. Possibly two, depending on how we can break up the segments. I think that we should go, we should really string it out. Okay. The most important is getting the last one all in one go. So we can. Okay. We can well, you can. That. Can you plan it out? Uh, Yeah, I think I'm capable of that. Why? Is the, is the last little segment of it like. It's the end of the book. It's the end of the book. <laughs> I mean, is Chris it. Is the end of the book. Is it anything? I, I'm not anticipating anything remotely satisfying or interesting. Wow. I kind of think it's going to end like <laughs> mid-sentences. He's describing, I don't know, like the 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 interior of like an office room or it's something. It's not going to end mid-sentence. He's not that pomo about everything. Ending your book mid-sentence. Amateur hour. I would not what be surprised. Is nar- what is narrative? He might have ended the Pale King mid-sentence actually. But literally just because he, first, he didn't finish writing it. Yeah, maybe. No. What what's the best book? Have you ending? read The Pale King? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember much of it, but I read it. Is it any good? It's fine. I mean, it's fine it's if you about taxes. Yeah, it's about the IRS. It's basically this book, but you uh, but you replace tennis with taxes. Kind of. Yeah, it's about it's about boredom and loneliness. <laughs> what's the best book ending? You're sorry and jumped. The Deb- Bible. I don't the, know. How does what the is Bible the la- end? Revelations. Re- that's the last part of oh, it. Yeah. Is that OT or NT? What do you mean? Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament. New Testament. Last verse of the Bible. My, if if I'm gonna just go off the top of my head, and again, I don't. It th- is Revelations. God, you're you're sunning me on my. <laughs> Are you kidding? Of course, the Revelations is the last. We stay. We stay. We're not a um uh the ca- the Be- Catholic zone that I was in was not hype on the end of the world. Behold a motherfucking pale horse. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's the last Wait, verse no, of the Bible? Wait, no, no. That's the... Or is fuck, that just... Man, fuck Google. Fuck, fuck Google. It's so useless. That would be really hard. I mean, that that is a very hard verse of Revelations, but that would be very hard if that was like literally the, the end of the book. Go- honestly, Google should be... 
embarrassed. Ser- Sergey Brin, whatever his name is. Yes. They should be honestly embarrassed. Ashamed of what they've done. The actual last verse of the Bible is like halfway down the page and it's clogged with a bunch of shit. This is a this is an imagine, affront to God. Imagine running ads on what is the last verse of the Bible. All of these are so what the hell? What is the last verse of the Bible? I'm literally looking and I can't find it. Wait, hold on. Please hold. I have the Bible. Sound off in the comments what the last verse of the Bible is. Anyway, I'll say what I think my la- my favorite end of a book is. Uh uh which is the end of Catch 22, uh which is somebody bringing a knife down uh, as Yosarian is trying to escape, and it just says Yosarian, and the last two lines are Yosarian jumped. Does he escape the stabbing? Unclear, but uh, you know, you just get the get that great last action line. Keep going. I don't think we have a Bible, Molly. Uh, well, we should get a Bible if we don't have one. King James version. Written by King James himself. No, that's not true. He uh, commissioned it uh, because he was very into that thing. A, a triumph of the the printed word as, uh, you know, he's, they were trying to unify and uh, codify what the Church of England was. Did you find it? I'm horrified. I can't believe that it's impossible Wait, to Wait, I think I might. I'm sorry I'm drawing this out, but now I'm crazed uh, by the power of the Lord. I think I have a Kindle Bible. Kindle Bible? Babel, Bible, 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 the Holy Bible. All right, let's go. English Standard Version. You have a Version. Kindle Bible? On yeah, your... what about it? All right. Thank you for putting up with this, uh, dear listeners, as we... uh. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I got to slip to the end and then go through the glossary. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well. Were you trying to read the whole Bible at some point? Yeah. My dad tried to do that and got to all the begats. Uh, I think after the, um, you got to just dissociate through the begats. <laughs> oh my God. This es- is unbelievable. Esther begat Ruth who begat, uh, is there a table of contents? Rachel who begat, um, Esmeralda who begat, I, I don't know. I'm only doing, uh, females. What are uh, male biblical names? Um, Lucas who begat Kramer who begat, uh, Donovan, who begat Donovan, <laughs> Donovan, <laughs> uh, who begat uh, Daryl, <laughs> who begat Revelation twenty two. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my we're god, getting we're, there, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book: if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Uh, yeah, it's basically just like Jesus is coming. Everything is happening. It's it's dope to write the last line of your book. If anybody writes any more book about this afterwards, uh, they're they're damned. <laughs> it's, it's a good this is it th- this is it one book just don't don't take except no imposters yes sorry the, for for that by uh, by the word of this book this is the last book the the mobile uh search experience for la- last verse in the bible is atrocious and everyone involved in it should be embarrassed i'm personally going to move to bing We're where i bet they don't have these problems duck duck go 
Is that the one for um, information truthers or something? I think so. Or no, it's like they don't spot. I don't know. Who, who gives a shit? Anyway, there are no more words other than the words of this podcast. Amen. Amen. Goodbye. <laughs>